wistfully. Then the pressing concerns of the moment resumed command of his consciousness. It had been gambling, not Schopenhauer or Nietzsche, that defined Bernie Glockner's life, beginning with his childhood on Chicago's near west side, where he was widely known as the kid who murders numbers. In his primarily Italian and Jewish neighborhood, Bernie handicapped foot races down Taylor Street. Anthony, you gotta give Sammy a yard and a half head start going a block. He could still picture himself and his buddies running to Mario's Italian ice stand at the end of a long, hot summer afternoon. A few of those kids he grew up with became Chicago outfit guys. It was at their urging and with their blessing that Glockner, tucking his UC diploma in a drawer, began using his impressive mathematical skills to establish betting lines on sporting events. Again, with the permission of the boys, he began booking the wagers of a small group of high rollers. His pleased associates dubbed Glockner the Wizard of Odds. So did the authorities, who were never able to nail him in the course of his seven decades of illegal gambling activity. Glockner rubbed together his small, brown-spotted hands. They were well cared for, as was the rest of this remarkably healthy and acute nonagenarian. Again, he shifted uneasily in his chair, as he had been doing frequently for the last three nights. The prescience that had carried him unscathed through a long career in association with some of the city's most vicious men evidenced itself in the sheen of perspiration across his forehead. After all this waiting, it was almost with relief that Bernie felt a quick rush of air on the back of his neck, heard the movement behind him as his front door was closed and locked again. He had hoped he was wrong in believing this was coming, but he wasn't wrong. The old man tried to rise, but a large hand pressed heavily down on his right shoulder. Bernie sat back resignedly. He shrugged when another large hand extracted the revolver Bernie had hidden beneath the chair's cushion. A remnant of his education flashed into his mind. Socrates, he thought it was. When a man has reached my age, he ought not to be repining at the prospect of death. Still. The taller of the two invaders maintained his iron grip on Bernie's shoulder. Bernie could see him in the wall mirror across from where he sat. He was dressed in a brown leather car coat and jeans. The other man, shorter, broader, powerful-looking, moved around the chair to face the old man. He wore a gray tweed sport coat with leather elbow patches, a black turtleneck sweater, black slacks, and well-worn New Balance cross-trainer shoes. His large, shaven head was bordered by two of the smallest ears Glockner had ever seen. Smiling, the man said, Hello, Bernie. It's truly a pleasure, and I mean it, to finally meet you. Behind steel-rimmed glasses, his gray eyes were alight with amusement as he rubbed his large hands together. Bernie recognized the voice. During their first phone conversations, he had thought to himself that the man's husky tenor reminded him of a sinister-sounding Garrison Keeler. The man noticed Bernie glancing at the mirror. In a quick, fluid motion, he pivoted, and with a karate kick, shattered the glass inside the frame. So, the so-called professor? Glockner spat out. Believe me, the pleasure is all yours. Glockner felt a combination of fear and embarrassment as he recalled the long conversations he had had with the menacing figure that now stood before him. Some six weeks earlier, the man had first identified himself in a letter as Professor Harlan Kornfen of the University of Wisconsin Economics Department. The envelope containing the letter carried a post office box as a return address. The professor had written that a certain mutual acquaintance of theirs had identified Glockner as one of the country's greatest experts on gambling.
The professor said he was engaged in a study of paramutual horse racing to be included in a book he was writing on gaming in contemporary America. It was, for him, he wrote, a brand new field of study. Could he submit some questions for Mr. Glockner to answer in writing? No, Bernie had replied in a short, formal note. He would prefer to provide any information via phone calls. The professor called Bernie two days later. He asked permission to tape their conversations. Certainly, Bernie had replied. This, after a career of assiduously avoiding any sort of recording device. But that, Bernie would come to realize, was what vanity and boredom could do to a man on the far side of his better days. Glockner and the professor set up a schedule of thrice-weekly calls, usually in early evening. The professor said he would describe Glockner in his book as a rare research source, but would not identify him by name. That was fine with Bernie. In the course of the fourth week, the professor confessed that he had become...